Hi, and welcome to episode 106 of The Shore Report. I'm Jay Posner. And I'm Heather Hyde. And uh, as we uh, alluded to in our last episode, we've got a series on housing. We'd like to uh, uh, unfold over the next few weeks and months on The Shore Report. Our, uh, our second episode is with uh, about uh, accessible and universal design. Uh, they'll correct me if, uh, if I don't get it right, but we've invited uh, Councillor Cheryl Grace and Minnie Jakes to our show. They are uh, uh, coordinating and facilitating uh, work with the uh, Accessibility Committee. And uh, I guess I, I'd like to welcome you both to the show. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure. And when we were, uh, you know, coaching just before we hit record is the, the we had quite uh, a bit of material f on accessible and universal design. Both uh, Cheryl and Minnie did speak to our developers forum a few weeks ago, and uh, it was a good indicator that we should be communicating this uh, to the wider public. And um, so we'd like to explore over the next few minutes, like what is uh, this universal design that we're talking about, why we're doing it, why we're doing it now, and then describe a bit of the process. So let's start with like, what is Universal, universal design, educate me because uh, maybe I'm not even calling it what it is. Well, you wanna take that? Sure, universal design is actually, it seems so simple. What it means is that anything that you're building, whether it's a neighborhood, whether it's a public building, it could be a home, it has to be something that all ages, all sizes, all abilities, all disabilities would be able to use. So when people have a tendency to think about accessible homes, they tend to think about somebody in a wheelchair. But we're also saying, what about if you're building a home and you have people visiting your home, or there may be life changes later on where you may need an accessible home? And what kind yeah, so of features does an accessible home or a universal home have that, that maybe you'd mentioned that we, we tend to think that it's, it's suited to people who are typically in wheelchairs, but it goes much broader than that. So what are kind of sort of the features that you would see in an accessible home? Um, some of the features are uh, wider hallways, uh, could be wider doors. Um, it also can be task lighting. Uh, it also can be a view out a window, lowering the windows. Um, it could be contrast around the doors for people that may have visual um, issues as well. It could be actually the approach to the building itself. Um, if you think, and people have a tendency to think about somebody with a disability, but if you think of uh, a young family, and um, everybody can relate to this who's got kids, you're hanging on to a kid, trying to hang on to groceries, carrying a child, and maybe in the garage and have to go up four steps and try to open a door and get in without dropping a child or the groceries. Um, so things like that, that it, it may not be for a disability, but it may be something for everyday life. And when, we, when you spoke at the, the developer forum, we saw some uh, you know, fantastic sort of uh, images of what universal design could look like. And so uh, I guess part of what you're, you're saying, Cheryl, or many doesn't matter, uh, is that this design is not uh, sort of an afterthought. It, it's, it's meant to be you know, sort of a, not just aesthetically, but uh, obviously functionally important to building. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, people may tend to assume that the design would look institutional and it wouldn't be something that they'd want in their own home. But um, one of the uh, designs that we, we show in our um, PowerPoint are floating vanities, which are 
very practical for people who need, um, you know, some kind of accessible design because they can, they can, um, for instance, pull a wheelchair underneath. Uh, but they're also very beautiful too. And uh, so, what we're asking designers to consider or builders to consider is look at some of those features that can be uh, very attractive, but also have a practical use um, so that uh, someone building this home now can um, see themselves if they have to uh, in their later years using that home uh, for a long time. They wouldn't be um, restricted from, from using. So that'd be one example. Um, Minnie probably has others as well. Well, I, I think the other thing uh, Cheryl point out, which is quite right from the blueprint stage, if you're buying a home, that's one of the things to ask your builder is, is this a universal design? Because it only usually costs a minimum of probably about 2% to include say structure behind your shower wall. So that later on grab bars could be put in. Maybe your cupboards could be lowered at another stage or totally removed depending on the plan or the doors widen so that a walker would be able to get in or a wheelchair and be able to turn around and actually use the facilities or put in grab bars later around the, around the toilet. So it's kind of forward thinking, but the best part is it saves you money now that you don't have to renovate your home later. And because it is a universal design, you could have visitors or family either visiting or say an older relative coming to live with you and the home doesn't have to be renovated. So it's actually cost saving and time saving for, for the homeowner. So our, our own accessibility committee is looking at this. So uh, what you've said over the last few minutes is sort of pretty general. It's a very you know universal discussion on universal design. So why is the committee looking at this now, and why why you know specifically Sogging Shores? Like, is there some impetus? And uh, can you maybe Cheryl explain a, a bit about how this has got started and what you're trying to do? Sure. Well, both Minnie and I were on the Attainable Housing Task Force, uh, which started a a year ago, I guess, and, and wrapped up uh, at the end of 2020. Um, so we had that in common. Uh, we've both also been on the accessibility committee for a number of years. Um, and actually this guide was really um, Minnie's brainchild that came up uh, during one of our accessibility committee meetings. So we decided to work on it together. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense because there is such a, a high degree of um, public interest um, in um, our housing shortage. Um, and uh, then we did a housing survey, um, which um, in that survey, 42% of the 779 respondents um, stated that they were having challenges finding a home that would suit all of their uh, needs, either age-related needs or physical disabilities. Um, and, and so that means that there were, in real numbers, 339 people who did that survey who said they wanted some kind of universal design. That's what they were looking for. 
I think it's so interesting what you've put together too. It's really useful for, you know, people who may not have given much thought to universal design and accessible housing. You've mentioned some of the misconceptions there are about how it looks institutional and that it costs a lot of money, both of which aren't currently true. And some of the benefits of being able to incorporate universal design right from the get-go and in terms of the life cycle of your home and all ages, all visitors, all those kinds of things. Have you seen other communities communities that have started to adopt these kinds of universal designs and practices? Are we starting to see these come into policies and, and really start to take off in the development community? Uh, Caledon actually in 2009 uh, ha was having much the same problem that many uh, communities in Ontario having in and including Sogging Shores right now, they had a lot of older adults who were aging out of their homes. They weren't able to stay in their homes. There was no government funding at that time to actually add features into their home for accessibility to allow them to actually age in place. So they decided that any homes that were going to be built in Caledon, and that was rentals as well as um, new homes being built, um, they would require every developer to include not just one or two features, but the entire build to be universal from the approach right down to the, the fixtures and the features. And what they found is that has been an attraction for people looking to move to Caledon because all of a sudden they know when they purchase a place, maybe as a baby boomer in their 50s, they're going to be able to stay there. And as we all know, long-term care, the waiting lists are extremely long. So it also lessens the burden on the long-term care community that people are able to stay in their homes. They may need a caregiver. Maybe the unit has an option for a basement for a caregiver or a family member to also live in a suite or an income suite. So the benefit, Caledon has done that. And then uh, another community has actually created a committee for seniors that they're able to look at housing and what it is that they want. And as a community, what do seniors want? And actually put that forward to the mayor and council to say, this is what we're looking for as seniors. And we all know that the um, population is going to increase dramatically for seniors uh, throughout Ontario and Canada. Uh, just uh, those are great examples. Um... Uh, another related example would be in Richmond, BC, um, something that they created called the Flex House, uh, which once again shows this universal design, but it shows how a home can, um, a family can buy this as a, as a young um, couple, for instance, just starting out or a young family. Um, so it's, it's a home that has a design built in so that uh, you could start out with a secondary suite for rental to help you pay the mortgage as a young couple. And then uh, that could be transitioned into uh, extra space for family. Um, and then as you grow older, it could be a secondary suite once again for an aging parent or relative, um, or maybe even a caregiver as, as Minnie talked about for somebody who wants to stay in their own home. But that home, um, called the Flex House of Richmond, BC, was created um, with support, financial support from the city of Richmond, as well as uh, the Canadian um, uh, Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Um, and it's a really good model for people to think about when they're looking at uh, purchasing or building a home. 
Okay, so uh, what are the next steps? Like, what are we going to see from the committee over the next few weeks, months, to, while you're working? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be putting together a guide and, and people should know this guide is for builders, it's for developers, but it's also for people that may be thinking of renovating their own home or maybe thinking of purchasing a home that's already been built. And it'll actually be a step-by-step -step guide of sort of telling them what makes up universal design, what are the options out there and giving them some examples um, as well. And we're trying to make it easy to read also to follow the building codes as well, but also go above the building codes. As, as our committee has sort of said, we'd like to use this guide to sort of show that more can be done than just following what needs to be done or what should be done, but actually make it attractive, actually make it something that people want to live in long-term and actually be proud of. Yeah, there are. there's uh, one particularly good example that we've looked at from uh, DeafBlind Services Ontario. They've created a really comprehensive uh, guide with all kinds of examples of uh, design for interior and exterior of the home, um, and not just the home, but, but other kinds of uh, public buildings as well. But um, every room is broken down in terms of, as Minnie mentioned, lighting and uh, uh, placement of um, electrical outlets and uh, wall switches and all kinds of things like that. So we'll be looking at that, but there are lots of good sources out there for us to use. All right, well, excellent. Uh, you know, that's a pretty concise sort of summary of what we're doing or what you're looking at. And uh, we'll have a lot of this information you've, you've given us, we can share uh, through the posting. And it'll, it's, I think I'm assuming it'll also be available on just the town's website, a lot of it at least. Uh, so I want to thank both of you for coming on the show. And uh, you know, we'll certainly want you on again. It, it doesn't always have to be about uh, universal design, but you've both been very excellent to talk with. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, Thanks they, so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.